Ringer Dish is the place for all things celebrity, from major celebrity moments like the Met Gala and the Oscars, to the weird habits of the stars you love, to refreshers on the biggest tabloid stories from the last 20 years, Ringer Dish has all the vital details. On Tuesdays, catch Jam Session with Juliet Littman and Amanda Dobbins for Royal Family Rumors, Celebrity Real Estate, and Industry Analysis. And on Fridays, listen to Tea Time with me, Kate, and Amelia for lightning fast coverage on pressing celebrity news and gossip. Check out Ringer Dish on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. We are... Super Steve Almond, Jomi the Explainer, Adinaron, 24 karat gold, Coke Baby Chuck, the closer. Whoa, 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 whoa. I want a new name for this. Spice Baby Chuck. Spice Baby. AKA Dirty Spice 2, AKA Midnight Spice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm with it. All of those. And me, Van Quizax Hatterack Lathan. (laughs) We are the Midnight Boys. All right. Programming reminders. The Midnight Boys will be taking a little break next week. little break. But you're going to get a double dose of Mal and Joe next week. Now, the Midnight Boys are taking a little bit of a break because we're hitting into, like, the home stretch here of all of this crazy content. Uh, Charles is going to take a little breather, and then we're going to come back. You ready? Are you ready for a little... Midnight relaxation, Charles. Are you ready for it? It's not even midnight relaxation for me. It's prep. You know, this is practice. Because gotcha. we're yeah. about to get spicy. When spicy. We spicy. All right. Follow the Ringiverse on socials. That's Facebook group, Twitter, and Instagram. On today's show, we are going to be giving our thoughts and instant reactions to Dune. Dune dropped on both HBO Max and in theaters. I happen to see it on the old HBO Max. By the way, before we get into Dune, interesting observation from myself. There has not been one, one movie that has dropped simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters that I have elected to see in theaters. Interesting observation that I made to myself when I was wait, watching. Wait, 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 wait. Let's count it down for those who have forgotten. There was Saints and uh, there was Suicide Squad. Saints Suicide of Squad. Mini Saints of Newark. Godzilla and Kong. Wonder Woman 1984. Dune. Uh, there's that Hugh Jackman movie that I watched. I'm not sure why I watched the it. The Denzel one. The Denzel one. All of these movies. All of these movies. Ah, uh, Steve brings up Matrix Four. Matrix 4, I will definitely be seeing. Oh, that's IMAX, baby. That's IMAX, big screen. Yeah, Matrix 4, I will be definitely seeing in theaters. But that's just an interesting reaction that I had when I was thinking about whether or not I was going to see Dune. Now, so here's the thing. Dune is a movie that I've already seen. I saw the movie, which is why we're doing a reaction podcast to it, me and Charles. But nevertheless, (laughs) even though we've seen it and you've seen it, which is why you're here, we have to make sure... But we don't spoil anything for you because that's what the times denote. So, Steve, why don't you go ahead and roll the completely unnecessary, in my opinion, spoiler warning. We're getting ready to talk about... I do 
You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Dune is directed by Denis Villeneuve, an amazing auteur. I love this guy. Ooh, big words. What is this? The Blood Sisters? I, I, oh, the Blood Sisters. Blood Sisters are smart. I They're love very it. smart. Smarter than very us. Very smart. Uh, yeah. The fuck? That goes without saying. Of course. <laughs> the same director of Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, and Sicario. Sicario is one of my favorite all-time movies. Like, I called Ooh. myself Sicario for like a year. Blade, I'm a Blade Runner 2049 boy. It was Ooh, okay. That was a good movie. It was all right. Dune currently sits at 84% on the Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato meter, whatever you call it. With a 94% audience score. <laughs> as of this recording, Charles, chill out. As of this recording. I didn't do anything. The movie has earned $5.1 million <laughs> in just its Thursday weekend preview. So the film seems to be both a critical and a commercial success. All right, I think it's a, little, it's a little early to call it a commercial success, if we're being honest. Okay, well, we'll get into it in a second. All right, we're going to rate this movie on the Midnight Meter, okay? But we want to make sure that we get you guys really concrete definitions of what the Midnight Meter is. Because we've been throwing the Midnight Meter around here, Charles, has become a thing. But do you feel like the people have a handle on exactly what we mean when we're talking about the Midnight Meter? Hell no. I don't think we got a handle on it. Everybody uses the Midnight Meter different. People using decimal points and shit. Hell no. Okay, so Charles, why don't you start off and give the people a little orientation, a reorientation into what the criteria and what the midnight meter actually means. All right. So, yeah, the midnight meter goes from a scale of 1 to 12, okay? Normal rankings are 1 to 10, but 11 and above send the movie over the top. 12, that is reserved for game changers, okay? We're talking about Dark Knight. The Matrix, Empire Strikes Back. 11 can be used if something is exceptional, but not quite there. And we're instituting some new rules, all right? We're not punks here. We're not punks here at the Midnight Boys. We're no longer doing 0.5s and 0.75s. Everything has to be a nice, round number. And with all that said, Van, Jomi, Steve, are we ready to give the Midnight Rankings for Dune? Yes. So it's important that you guys remember. It's a regular 1 to 10 ranking. But 12, if it's exceptional, by that criteria, I'm going to give Dune a 7. 7 out of 10 for Dune for me. That's what I'm going to... Jomi, stop making faces. I'm going to give Dune a 7. Charles, what's your score for Dune? For once in the history of this podcast, Van, we are on the same exact page. I'm giving Dune a 7. Hmm. Hmm. Jomi, all right. You know what? You've been, you've been side-eyeing us this whole entire recording. Just say what you feel. Just go ahead, Jomi. Jump in. Stop. Just jump in and say it with your chest. I said seven. Jomi, come on. For my midnight ranking, my midnight meter ranking, I'm giving Dune a 10. Giving Dune a 10. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm okay. giving it a 10. Okay, look, what? look. You, gave, you give it a 10 and you get no pushback, no rolling of the eyes, no downer I, talk. I just think you guys are unnecessarily harsh. We could talk about this. How was a seven harsh, Jomi? Damn. How many participation trophies did you get when you played soccer as a kid, Joey? Jesus Let's Christ. We had to get participation trophies. I won. Super, so, super you know. personal. Jesus. I'm just saying, Jomi's looking at us, like wow. making us feel like bad people for just saying like it was a seven. Talk about that. You bring a man's childhood into it. <laughs> Jesus. Charles, <laughs> the hell? <laughs> Jomi, like, Jomi, I'm proud of you and all your trophies. Just to let you know, whatever they're <laughs> Thank from. you. Yeah. But Charles, goddamn. You know, Charles Sorry, is gonna, I'm, I'm going to be I'm honest with you guys. Charles is going to break bad here pretty soon. <laughs> like, he, he, like he, he is. He is. We're going to lose. You know who? It, you guys watch Ted Lasso? Charles is Nate. Oh, Charles is Nate. If I'm anybody, if I'm anybody on Ted Lasso, it's the dude with the eternal bad mood. Just eternally just in a bad nah, mood. Nah, you're not him because he has a gooey core. You're Nate. A gooey you're guy, core. Yeah, you, you're like, you're part of the Diamond Dolls, but one day you're going to come for us all. Steve, what would you give Dune on the Midnight Meter? I would give Dune, I would give Dune a nine. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it has, I think it has, has some stumbling blocks, but I liked it quite a bit. Okay. So for everybody, Charles, I'll start with you. What was your knowledge of Dune going into this movie? 
Uh, I, I had known about Dune for a while, but before the movie came out, I went back to watch the David Lynch um, film. I knew it was based on a book. A lot of my friends were super into it. Um, and I knew kind of like the core mythology of all the spice and stuff. Um, but still, I was kind of green. So yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty like, when I watched the movie, I wasn't confused. Let's put it that way. What about you? Did you read the book when you were a kid? No, didn't read the book. The first time I got into Dune was, I got into Dune when I started to get into Kyle MacLachlan as an actor. Because uh, he, he, he made some movies that really I liked. And so I was like, hey, you go back to this guy's career. And I go back and I watch Dune. So I've seen the original Dune a couple of times. I never read the book. As you watch Dune, though, and the more Star Wars lore you'll, you're into, you can see how much Lucas lifted from Frank Herbert and, and his, uh, his classic book, Dune series. It's a lot of stuff that comes from it. It's a Kanye and J. Cole situation. Continue. What do you mean by that? So explain it. Someone lifted their entire career from the other. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> J. Cole lifted his entire career from Kanye is what you're saying? Uh, well, he's been making the college dropout every single album for going on 15 years. So, yes. Let me tell you something. Let me, let, let me, let me tell you something right now, Charles. Save it for your other pod. Okay, <laughs> Why am I deal. so cranky today? Here's it's one day I don't before know my vacation. Save it for your other pod. We have, you know what? I know what I would notice about the Midnight Boys. We've stopped introducing ourselves as guys from other pods because this is, we're the Midnight Boys. But every once in a like every once in a while, Ringer show Chuck, Ringer music show Chuck shows up. You don't fuck about no J Cole and making the college <laughs> drop out. Let's save that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I would say that I was a newcomer in that I didn't have a particular. I wasn't clamoring for this movie to come out. Uh, I'm always interested to see uh, what a new director and what a new creative direction will will do for uh, for something that was pretty. Put it this way, David Lynch's Dune wasn't a box office success, but it was definitely a cult classic with a huge. It's a cult following. classic. It's also fun. Like as much as people That's like try to shit on that movie, it is a very fun movie. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm going to ask Jomi. Not Steve, because I know Steve. Steve's got Dune all over his face. I can tell right now, Quizex, Hatterack, Steve. Jomi, how much did you know about Dune coming into the movie? Absolutely nothing. Interesting. There was a trivia question one time about it, about the guy who wrote it. Some He went to Oregon and saw sand, and that was how he discovered to write this book. But that's all I knew about the, about the film. So, Charles, because you didn't know that much about it, a relative newcomer, green, Kind of familiar, not as familiar. How good of a job did this movie do at selling you on the world? Because there was a lot of world building that went on in this film. Selling you on the world, selling you on the mythology, selling you on everything that you have to get engrossed into to enjoy this film. Um, I think it did, it, it did a good job in terms of there is a lot of uh, exposition in this movie explaining very deep sci-fi symbols and words you know, explaining what spice is, why it's so important for the rest of the galaxy. Uh, I think it did an admirable job getting us up to date very, very quick. I did not have any any quarrels with that. And I also think like Denny V, my man, did a very, very good job of showing us a world that a lot of sci-fi directors, when they go to space, they're immediately just like cribbing Star Wars. Denny V did a very, very good job of making a beautiful movie that looks very, very distinct. I could see it was him. I saw it on a big IMAX screen. I was like, damn, like he killed, visually, he killed this film. Like it was a beautiful looking film. Beautiful looking movie. Some of my issues with the film don't have really anything to do with the movie itself. It has to do with, and that's a weird thing. We know that there's going to be a part two to this film, which to me makes the back half of the movie feel a little incomplete and jarring in a way. It lost itself in a little bit of a way, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. As far as the world building, I thought the narrative was pretty clear. I thought the narrative was pretty straight. I thought the excellent performances helped like even build that up even more. 
but everybody was on their A game. You understand the wants and needs of all the characters. You understand the wants of needs and needs of the universe that they are in. Okay. So, no, there was no problem with it there. This film is a part of a series we now know. This is Dune Part One. Dune Part One. How do you think the structure of the movie holds up to like a TV show esque type of structure? It's heavily relying on there being a part two. Like, seriously, that's kind of my thing. Heavily. Heavily, And let's be real. The marketing failed this movie. And what I mean by that is like, when I go into this movie, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a movie about Timmy Chalamet and Zendaya. It's going to tell this story. And then when I get in there, you see Dune comes across the screen. And then you're like, part one. And when it ends, you're like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? Like, Where's the rest of my doom? Why do you feel like the marketing failed it, though? I think that they held that back on purpose. They surprised the audience by not letting you know that it was going to be like Doom Part 1 and Part 2 and Part 3 or whatever. Why you because like- I think when I got there, like I had known, I had read a lot about it, that this was going to be potentially a two-part, maybe a three-part series. But watching the movie, I didn't really totally understand how much he was just going to cut it in half. And should we get into it, this now? Like... My big issue with the movie. Go for it. Once again, Denny V, beautiful movie. The sound quality in a theater. This is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It was like being hit in the face. I loved it. Structurally, this movie is pure in a way like a hero's journey type of story. You have your departure. You have your initiation. There's no return. There's actually half of an initiation. And what I mean by that is like when you look at like a Harry Potter, a Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, these big expansive movies, they're all about the hero's journey. The hero leaves home. He meets a wizard, an old man who teaches him everything he needs to know. And he learns something. When I was watching this, I'm like, oh, this is like act one and half of act two. So by the end of the movie, you're starting to be like, wait, where is where's the rest of this thing story wise? Why am I supposed to care about Paul? What is he learning? Where is this going? And it cuts to black. And I'm like, ooh, that's like, that's rough. Even knowing that it was a part one, I was like, if you watch Star Wars A New Hope, that's a, that's a whole movie. Even though there was a second and a third, there's a whole movie to that. There's a hero's journey. Same thing with Harry Potter. Same thing with Lord, Lord of the Rings. With Dune part one, there's not. And I think that storytelling wise is a sin that they couldn't really overcome. Mm. Steve, Jummy, somebody want to jump in here? I think that's both kind of fair and unfair because if the movie is being made under the assumption that there will be a part two and if they just pick a spot to stop, I feel like that's fine. I think it's unfair to us, the audience, not knowing that there will be a part two or that there was until we just finished the film. I think that's probably the problem where, like you said, marketing failed, where we were kind of sold a complete movie going into this, and now we're realizing, oh, well, there's more to it, and probably a lot more. So let me ask you this then. Hold on real quick. Let me ask you this then to everyone. If this is, in fact, supposed to be an epic on the scale of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings and all of those things, if if this is going to be Doom franchise coming out of here, I read somebody that said it was the best sci-fi movie in decades. If that's what they're going for, from someone who liked the movie, Steve, did it succeed in setting the groundwork for that level of a science fiction experience? I think it did. I think it very much did. And I think that... So you compare this movie, you'd compare this movie to A New Hope or Fellowship of the Ring or something along those lines. I I think that's kind of tough because I, you know, like we say on the Midnight Meter, like time really judges the best of those movies and how well that that goes. In hindsight, with a bit of a recency bias, this is swinging for the fences for sure. It wants to be on that level. I don't know if I personally put it on there yet because it has a lot of work to do in, again, bringing it its own kind of relevance. But did you feel that magic... And that magic is very, very hard to kind of condense into something, but you feel it. When you feel like, when you watch Fellowship of the Ring or like A New Hope, at the end, there's that little bit of magic where if they never make another movie of this, you're still like, oh, I still feel like I got a full meal. And at the end of this, like at the beginning, I'm like, oh, there's this world, I'm invested, what's going on? Cool, cool, cool. Everything's happening. And by the end of the two and a half hours, I was a little bit like, was that was that feeling? Did I feel like if they never make a part two, 
I'm still satisfied. And I, when I left that, I didn't have that feeling. I had this anxious feeling of, man, they better make a part two because I just invested this time and I kind of want to see where it ends. Exactly. And I think that that's probably its biggest fault that you can give it because this clearly is trying to give you the like, okay, this is We're going to have like that Christmas vacation, all three Lord of the Rings movies watch in a row type of marathon viewing, but it's Dune. And I think it's when we when we give it that time, I think it could be something that that's that's just a special, but it does hold it back from being its own complete film just as a part one. Now, here's the thing. I watched the movie and I had fun with it because I'm pretty familiar with what goes on in Dune and the structure and the story. But I asked myself at times when I was watching it, if you weren't, is this a difficult movie to follow? Oh, well, I can answer be, that because Because to be honest with you, there was a, a lot going on and a lot of stuff happening all on top of one another. Weird job of the hut like guy. I love the Baron. I love him. Let me tell you something. Real quick. I want to give a quick shout out to fat, disgusting villains. See, when a villain is good looking, I always ask myself this question. Why are you a villain? Hmm. You're good. Uh, when, when a villain is good looking, I'm not talking about like 80s movie villain because those guys got to be good looking. But I'm talking about like these guys. Like when they're good looking, I'm like, why are you a villain? But see the Baron? I look at the Baron and I'm like, if I was you for a day, I'd probably be a villain. Too. I'd probably be. A, yeah. I'm looking at the Baron and I'm like, you know what, Baron? Uh, you kind of get a pass. <laughs> think about how they fronted on the Baron. You know? Think about and how also, they fronted on him. Also, if I'm the Baron, I'm just looking at House Atreides and I'm like, damn, y'all some pretty motherfuckers. Yeah, Everybody pretty. in here is well, pretty as hell. House Atreides is pretty. Like, Josh Brolin is like the ugliest one. And he's and even pretty still, he, he, Even he's still... Yeah, how, how is your number one soldier, Jason Momoa? He's supposed to be grizzled. Also, I gotta be real. Even the mom, even the mom, the the mom wizard. I'm like, she she's the mom in this. Like, she's the mom. How can she be the mom? She's very hot. She's very attractive. <laughs> Back to the question though. Before that little tangent, did you feel like that for somebody who was un- uninitiated, this movie would be a little hard to follow? So, Jomi, you like you want to jump out of your seat at that question. Yes, because no, I had no prior knowledge of the film and I went in and I followed it and I got, you know, on the information and I was, you know, un- I understood, you know, where House Atreides was coming from, where, you know, House Harkonnen was coming from, everyone's motivations. And to Steve and Charles's earlier conversation, I feel like we were, we're not, we're not talking, we're not thinking about the conversation Oscar Isaac had with, with Big Tim in the in the, in the beginning of the film where he's like, hey, he's like, I don't know if I want to lead. And Oscar Isaac's like, hey, you know, when it's your time, like, you'll know. Like, later we'll, we'll call to you. And then by the end of the movie, not only does he have his ring, his dad's ring, he's also in charge of the, that little group of uh, Furman, right? Because he, you know, beats the, you know, he beats the guy in the challenge. And now he's like the leader of that group as they go, they go forward, right? So there is like kind of an ending, to the movie, right? Jomi, thank Paul's you for Jomi, Thank you for giving us your thoughts on something we had already covered and moved on from. Jomi, y'all didn't really let me talk. To, I was trying to did, talk. Like, Jomi is really <laughs> trying to get it, get that off. I I had to get that off. I wasn't gonna let that. I wasn't gonna let that slide. I'm gonna be honest. With you, I wasn't gonna let it slide because Tim is the main. He's Tim is the main character. Paul's the main character, right? He's the person. Oh, we're, we no, we're gonna get to Timmy. To we're gonna get to Timmy soon because I got some issues with Timmy. But I'll say to your point, man. I was like to my girlfriend, I was just like, yo, you, you want to see Dune? She's like, wait, the Timothy Chalamet Zendaya one? I'm like, yeah. She's just like, where? I'm like, we're going to a theater. She's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. She fell asleep during the first my girl, act. My girl tapped out too. She was just like, and then we leave the theater and she's just like, yo, never again. She's like, never invite me to a movie again. She's like, never again. Like, she's pissed. Like, she was hot. Hey, come on, Charles. It's not, even, the movie is just dazzling even to, is she a film fan because the movie is dazzling to even look at right no it is dazzling but to be fair if you are not like us who like we watch all the comic book shit all the sci-fi shit i can see like your regular just average consumer going into doom be like nah fuck this shit jomi who are your favorite characters in the movie duncan idaho you know sick name Mm -hmm. right let's just get that out the way awesome um oscar isaac's character i love You know, Leto. Leto. Yeah. And uh, Gurney Halleck, Josh Brolin, you know, uh, Thanos was out there. 
So I really enjoyed House of Trades, to be honest with you. I, I liked um, being with that with that that family, that uh, that group for the for a good part of the movie. Yo, can I be real about something? When I was watching this movie, I was just like, you know what, like Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa and all them have in common. You could tell they've been in franchise movies before, because like, are they better actors on paper than Timothy Timothy Chalamet? Who's who's to say? But when I was watching like Jason Momoa, I'm just like, yo, you're more charismatic than the main guy who I'm supposed to believe is like the Messiah. And that's actually one of the problems, I think, where I was like, I was wanting to watch like Duncan Idaho the whole time. Be like, oh, yeah, he kicking ass. What's happening? And I think with Timothy Chalamet, he's very, very good at like Oscar roles, like call me by your name. But when I was watching the movie, I'm like, oh, he's kind of getting swallowed up by the desert. Couldn't disagree more. I thought he was... For me, I wasn't fully in on this film just because of the structure of the movie. I thought he actually embodied this character in a real, real Interesting. way. I didn't think he had any charisma. I, I, I thought that he was really, really solid. I thought he, he showed strength when he was so, supposed to show strength. I, he showed deference to his father when he was supposed to. I really, by the end of the film, d- believed him as somebody who was going to become Oh, I did not at all. I did oh, not I see, at I all. Did. I, I thought, did. I thought he got outacted a lot. Like, in terms of, like, movie star status, making me believe, all right, we're on an island. We're fighting. There were just people who were just more interesting to look at on screen. And whenever it came back to him, I'm like, oh, I don't think you've had the training on what it takes to be a movie star. Like, you are a good actor. Like, I want to see you when, like, Call Me By Your Name. I don't know if you have that thing that like a Luke Skywalker can have, a Mark Hamill can have, where I'm just like, oh, I buy this. Like, I didn't buy him a lot in the desert. When it was him and his mom alone in the desert, I'm like, it's dragging a little bit. This is... this. Oh, is- well, no, that is exactly where the movie dragged because that really should be, to be honest with you, that should be the middle of the movie and then there should be some huge thing at the end. That was more of the... Sure, I, I, the movie dragged a little bit there, but it's going to drag when it gets so tiny in scope at the end of the movie. Steve was wanting to jump in. Well, I wanted to say, at least to your point about Timothy Chalamet kind of not being the most exciting person to watch. In the books, Paul is pretty lame in the beginning of this arc because that's like, again, this was a in the early days of like sci-fi and your main character was basically your audience surrogate and he was kind of just the person that like is the wet blanket that everything happens to until you know, he has the calling of in the hero's journey. So weirdly enough, I feel like he was kind of playing to type pretty well. Oh, no, I get that here. If we're going to be real, Frodo, Harry Potter, Luke, all of them, all of them are lame. You know what I mean? Like nothing against them. That's that's part of the character. How do you become someone that people want to follow and lead? I want to go I, and get some power converters. <laughs> I, was, I just didn't think, I don't think Timothy Chalamet has the movie star thing. I was hoping to go to town and get some power converters. You know, go clean it. Oh, Dad, Owen, Uncle Owen, I want to get a power converter. Come on, it's the same shit, bro. They're all, they're all the same way. By the way, Frodo, I hate it. You hate it, Frodo? Three movies. Fucking hate him. Why? Hate him. Nah, what? he was walling. He was like, walling with, Frodo, uh, with the Gollum, I bro. hated, hated really? Frodo. And by the way, if you like Frodo... I have thoughts about you. Frodo sucks. He's whack. I mean, I don't, it's not like I like Frodo, but I have no ill will against him. Dumb. It's like hating a piece of cake. Like, yeah, it's there. Like, if you want a piece of cake, eat a piece piece of cake. A piece of cake tastes good. A piece of cake isn't the the (laughs) part of it that keeps dragging back. I don't want to see Frodo. I want to see Legolas. How you say his name? Legolas? Legolas? Legolas. Did you? (laughs) Legolas? What's Legolas? I say, sometimes I say Legolas. I say Legolas for a long time. People got mad at me. (laughs) They said it in the movie. <laughs> I know, but I like to... They say Thanos' name in the movie. I like to... I get into my own pronunciations of things. Come on. Now, nah, black people love mispronouncing some sci-fi names, bro. I, I, I love it. I love it. My dad used to say Oba. Oba-Wan. <laughs> Oba-Wan? No reason. Rest in <laughs> peace, dad. Oba-Wan. I tell you what, you can't be Oba-Wan, though. I'm like, dad, it's Obi. But I do the same thing now. There are some great moments in this movie. We're going to get to some of the big questions that we were left with in the first part of Dune in a second. But there are some moments that we have bulleted down here that were some of the cool moments. And there's one that sticks out to me. Uh, you have Paul's test of pain, the assault on House Atreides, the first sandworm attack. Sandworm, 
scary. Why sandworms are scary to me? They look like buttholes. It was very funny. I loved them. They were the best part of the movie. Love the worms. Uh, Duncan, when he defends Paul, and the fight at the end, which I thought was really anticlimactic, if I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, I think the Duncan, I think the Duncan defending Paul fight is the best fight in the movie. I was like, oh shit, yeah. The last the, fight, I, the I last fight was, was a little anticlimactic. Anticlimactic. I really enjoyed the test of pain for some reason. Really? I thought that was, I love shit like that. Like <laughs> there's a part in Lethal Weapon where the guy comes and he lights a, uh, uh, he lights a lighter and he makes uh, Gary Busey holded his hand on it to to tell to tell everybody what a hard ass he is. I love a good test of pain, and I thought Timothy sold that really well. I thought that it was an eerie scene at first. I had a scene I had to watch a couple of times because at first I wasn't sure what exactly was trying to be proved, but it was very how can I say it was very it was a curious scene. Mm. And it, that the, and the stakes were 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 very high. There was some wonderment there in the pain. What was your, uh, you guys, all of you guys, like? What what were some of your favorite coolest moments in the movie uh, amongst those that I just Steve Jomi? I was a big fan of the 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 sandworm saving scene when they have to go and like land and like save all the people from the from the digger. That thought that was really cool. I wish I would have seen that in theaters. And I I did enjoy the uh, the pain scene with the. With the little neck, uh, neck needle, that was intense. I thought because I would have just, I would have died to be quite honest with you. <laughs> like I, it would have been a wrap for me. So you know, to see him beat that case was pretty cool. Steve, uh, I, I, for, as far as action scenes go, I really, really, really loved the first sandworm attack because it really just shows you like how big these sandworms are. And like when they're when they finally like evacuate, and when Timothy Chalamet is tripping balls on spice, and like Josh Brolin like pulls him out, and like they take them up from the ship and you just see it like the giant star like just eating the whole ship. It was incredible. But I wanted to actually talk about that one scene when Javier Bardem comes in to the council room and he spits, and he on, spits. on the table, he spits on the table. Javier Bardem. I loved in this movie. I he love awesome. Javier Bardem. He brings it in every fucking, he brings it. <laughs> Javier Bardem, baby. Yeah. So you were saying, well, it, it's, it's, it's like, so like oddly tense in the beginning of that scene when he just spits on the table and Josh Brolin's just like ready to fucking kill yeah, him. He jumps on it. He didn't know. <laughs> and, and it's just like, well, and Jason Momoa is like, kind of like the emissary who's like been embedded for so long. I love the tension between how trusting the rest of the people at that table are. And it speaks to how great Oscar Isaac's like adapted into that scene of being like, okay, this isn't about disrespect ease into this like he wants to be a good leader and I, I I really was sold that pretty well in this in that scene it was so Oscar cool. Isaacs was great in this I loved the scene where he tried to take out the Baron bites down on the tooth and the gas comes out very powerful powerful gas Oscar Isaacs was great I thought that this movie really had it set the stakes one thing I will say it did well it set the stakes for this world in a really definitive way because you got some pretty big name deaths here in the first movie you know, you watch these. You watch this movie, and you go, "Wow, well, I got a lot of people in this." But that's because they you didn't know have to who work wasn't that in long. it enough. I was just like, "Oh, where's where's my my girl's in day? She's like in it for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, she came in at the end. I was a little, I was a little disappointed. I wanted to see her and Timmy a little bit more because they're going on the press rounds. I'm like, damn, they're they have chemistry together. Shout yeah. out Tom Holland lurking in the background, being like, "What?" But if you're Tom Holland, that's gotta be tough. You think he's folding like you? <laughs> It's got to be tough. Like, i just be honest with you, bro. Chalamet is kind of a G. It's got to be tough. Like, Tom, Tom Holland is probably calling like, hey, what are you guys doing years ago? Shh, shh, shh. It's on the phone. Stop it, stop it. Just, no, I don't hey, do my man Tom like that. We're, we're, just hang, we're just hanging out. Don't do Tom like that. Should I come visit you on set? No, it's really sandy here. It's sandy. The sand's getting all in our eyes. It's kind of, it's kind of a downer. Are you guys having a party? Back in the, like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> hey, it's your turn, Cards Against Humanity. And they're doing the whole thing. It's like, he probably, that's got to be tough to have your girl. I'll tell you guys a quick story. If you guys, you guys out there thinking that I'm cashing aspersions real quick. Let me tell you guys, a, this is Old Man Van's Hollywood Bedtime Stories. <laughs> I'm putting, I'm making this a sound right now. It's time for Old Man Van's Hollywood Bedtime Stories. If you don't think that it's bad news to have your girl be around the hottest guy in the town for a long time, let me tell you a story of three people. Farrah Fawcett, 
Lee Majors, and Ryan O'Neal. You guys might not know, as you young young whippersnappers, who these people are. Farrah Fawcett might be the finest white woman that's ever lived. <laughs> Poster was everywhere. Farrah Fawcett was serious business. Rest in peace to Farrah Fawcett. She was dating a guy who was Lee Majors, the $6 million man he played. He was Steve Austin on television, bionic man. It was a big deal. Ryan O'Neal was the Timothy Chalamet here, the hottest guy in Hollywood. Ryan O'Neal from Love Story. Okay, hot. He was friends with Lee Majors. Lee Majors said, hey, I got to go out of town. I got to do this. Got to do this movie. Got to do whatever. He told Ryan O'Neal, look after my girl while I'm gone. He gave his wife, his girlfriend, whatever they were, to the hottest guy in the town. Guess what happened? Ryan O'Neal robbed him. <laughs> like the fucking Hamburglar. He robbed him. Don't compare Farrah Fawcett to a hamburger van. Goddamn. Gourmet, gourmet meal. Robbed him. And guess what? It worked out. Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neal ended up spending all types of their life together, being together for decades and decades. Lee Majors never got his girl back, never spoke to Ryan O'Neal. Have you Fawcett ever been ever. Lee Majored? Were you ever Lee Majored? Of course. It shouldn't be called getting Lee Majored. It should be called getting Van Lathan. It happens. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is that Tom Holland, if you think Tom Holland is somewhere super happy because Timothy Curly Jaw, Curly Hair, Sick jaw Chalamet is around his girl. It's not. Be careful, Tom. I believe in you, Tom. Okay, you got that Spider Man money. All right, I'm with you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. We have a special little category to do here. It's called Dune Versus. This is a rapid-fire round where Steve is going to tee us up with different categories of things that happened in this and similar movies to see what we liked better. Steve, are you ready for this? Yes, I am. All right, let's hit you with the first category. Category is Josh Brolin hands a knife to a child. Dune versus Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. The way that he handed the kid the knife. Yes. Yes. Steve, I'm don't ask twice. I'm gonna go, dude. Really, oh, man? I, yes, because we're talking about during the training scene, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, we are. The training scene between Josh Brolin and Timothy Chalamet was pretty fucking sick. All right. But which has the more iconic line? Obviously, it's Infinity War. It's Infinity War, right? Everything and balanced. Woo. Perfectly Chills. balanced, as but all things should, should be. be. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I might be with Van on this one, where like he's like, I have you. And then he's like, Of course, I, Steve. I, and I you have would you. like the white savior story. We know Okay, which come one. on. This wasn't Whoa, even a thought. Okay. <laughs> we're back there. Uh, okay. Uh, you want the next one? <laughs> sure. All right. Ambushed in the desert mountain range. Dune versus Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> Kind okay. of unfair one, but okay. Yeah, what? Mad Max. What? <laughs> like, yeah, Mad Max Fury Road. Next. Yeah, Mad, Mad Max. <laughs> Mad Max. Clear. You, I don't know why you just did that. You just served Dune for no reason. Because we got a couple the, more. I just the next to... one, just do Dune versus Jesus. 
<laughs> Maybe it'll have a better shot than it does against Mad Max Fury Road. Go ahead. Right. Next one. All right. Gross bald people. Dune versus Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Dune. Easily. Dune. For sure. Yeah, that, Dune. I will say, yo, the Baron is the most disgusting motherfucker I've ever He's so disgusting. Oh, he's it's, so nasty. So Stellan Sars- so Skarsgård plays the Baron and so sinister, so nasty, so disgusting. But once again, if I was that guy, I might fuck over a couple of people too. You could levitate. Right. What, what, like, what else could you do? <laughs> like, you levitate. Levitate it. Levitation mm-hmm. technology. All right, next one. All right, dope spaceships. Dune's Firefly ships versus Slave One from Empire Strikes Back. Oh, good one. I never loved the Slave One, to be I, honest. I, I, yeah, I wasn't a big Slave One guy. Slave One yeah. is, in a, is a kind of a weak ship, if we're being honest. Y- yeah, yeah, like, I wasn't a... It, it's just hard to take something from Dune over something from Empire. But Could we do Millennium I, Falcon? Oh, uh, come on. God damn it. Uh, that's that's, that's unfair. I, I, that's I had to keep setup. it fair. I, the, the Millennium Falcon is... We, can we all argue... Can we all agree that the Millennium Falcon is the greatest spaceship in the movie history? The greatest spaceship. I think the only thing you can even, like, chalk it up to, like, you can even, like, in the, in the discussion is probably, like, the Enterprise. Let's do that. But Let's ask people... And I'm not. This Who's is not gonna for, pick the Enterprise? And I like Star Trek, but like there are people that would pick the Enterprise. There's somebody, there's, yeah. You know? In terms of like iconic spaceships, like iconic, I, I th- you, it's up there. That's the conversation. It's up there. It's well, two. the Starship Enterprise is up there. It's Michael Jordan and LeBron. Let's but we do, know which one is one. Let's do it for Twitter. I'm not saying which one it is, but the Enterprise is kind of like the main thing in its universe, and the Falcon is a thing, but not the yeah. main thing. But for me, it's the Falcon. What I I love the, the the Millennium Falcon because it's basically like a beat up Chevy if you put like a Lamborghini engine in it. Because everybody's clowning the Millennium Falcon for being a piece of shit that's like falling apart, but it can go really fast. That's it. <laughs> Forget that. We're going for the Dune Dragonfly ships. The we're going for the Dune Dragonfly ship. Then. That's what yeah. we're going for. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. So the next one, Sandworms, Dune versus Tremors. Oh, Jesus Dune. Christ! It's Tremors. It's Tremors. You guys are too young for Tremors. I love Tremors. I, I saw the first one in college. This one, this one girl came over and we watched it. It was pretty cool. Wait, was this a date, Joey? Wait, what? Joey, why Explain did you this. have this? Joey, it wasn't. A, I'm telling you the story. Like that's what happened. Joey, one okay, of the girls, question. You, you're, you, that was a weird way to put that. What yeah. do you mean? That's what happened. You're slanging your dick all over the podcast. Joey. <laughs> that's not. That's, yeah, it, it wasn't yeah, even yeah, like yeah, that. Yes, yes, it you wasn't are. even like that though. That's what this happened. One though. girl came over and we watched it. Joey, what are you <laughs> yeah, talking about? She, it wasn't just me, though. It was like the whole room. She was like, hey. Oh, now the story's getting sick, Whoa. Joey. We don't need to hear this. Okay? We're going with Tremors here. We're going with Tremors here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tremors is the pick. Okay. We're going with Dune here. So this story seemed to rely very heavily on there being a second one, possibly even a third. Now, we've talked about that and some of the things that that meant for the movie, uh, some of the ways that that actually maybe hampered the movie. Based upon the reception that you're seeing out there, do you think that there will be a part two. And Charles, because you are the harshest critic of Dune, even though we gave it the same rating, would you be interested in seeing a part two to Dune? Absolutely. If they, I wish they would have just like greenlit it already and be like, there's going to be a second one. I probably would be less harsh if I knew. All right, in the year or two years, I'm getting the rest of this story. Absolutely. I want a second two. Interesting. You don't want a second one? I do want a second one. And I'm calling it right now. If they make a second one, which they're probably going to make a second one. I think it is going to be an epic on par with some of the greatest science fiction epics we've ever seen before. Because I, 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 I think, I think, listen, I think where this movie was weak, I think that the sequel will be on steroids strong. I think there was world building that had to happen in this movie. I think the fact that they didn't do the entire book in one film meant they had to stop in, in a certain lull, it was going to be clunky. It was going to be a little bit off. But when they pick up the things that happen in the second film, if I know this story, like I think I know it from the, the past things I've watched in the miniseries that came out in like the early 2000s, it's going to be go time. Empire level, not in terms of movie, but empire level pacing, I think will happen in the second movie. So I'm really excited about the second movie today. Do you think 
general audiences, because I think what to get a second one, like the CEO, I know guys has said, like you saw the end of the movie, like, so you know the answer, which is not a yes in Hollywood, like Van, shit ain't greenlit until it's greenlit. You know what I'm saying? Until people are on set. I like my biggest thing walking away with, from this was just like, all right, after like the Thursday show, the Friday show, do you think that enough general audiences will flock to this for HBO Max, for Warner, all to be like rousing success? Absolutely. Let's do a second one. I'm a little worried. Ah, uh, I got to be honest with you. I think that this would be seen as a pretty monumental failure if they didn't do a second movie. Because if they don't do a second movie, this is complete nothing. I mean, I'm being serious. This is just a, a cool art piece if they don't do a second movie. They have to do a second movie. A second movie is getting done. They're going to do a second film. They, they have to. They have to. There's a lot of reputations on the line here. Um, by the time a second movie comes out, we might be in a different place in terms of theater going. Uh, it might be even smart to do a second film and then do a re-release on this one. Uh, in a way, or put it back up on HBO Max and re-promote it or whatever they would do just to get people's palette wet for it again. But I think the chances are very low that you don't see a second film here. Steve, am I tripping about this? No, I, th I think that's absolutely right because it, they're kind of insane. To They'll honestly just look stupid if they don't, even if it is a failure, even if it doesn't work to know that they just took a bath on Dune part one and then just walked away kind of looks worse than any sort of financial failure than they could. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know the business enough, but like, I feel like it's even worse of a move. Granted, they backed themselves into this own corner by making this movie as long and as intricate as it is. But I, I, I don't think you're crazy at all. I mean, I like, like if we're being honest, it's, it's a weird one for Warner because the Sopranos movie, which I thought like Sopranos fans going to flock to it didn't happen. Suicide Squad, we all know at least commercially what happened. So I do think like, yes, for reputations, Warner has been out here being like, yeah, Dune's going to be a hit. Dune's going to be a hit. I think they're just kind of like, yo. No, by the way, they're going to do another movie after the mini states of Newark. Movie, I think they might do a TV show. They're, they might they might do a TV show. They're going to continue that. That's coming back. That like they're going to do more of that stuff. They're jumping into the whole IP game, trying to get people back into the stuff that they own. They they're coming back with more stuff. And and the pandemic, to be honest with you, is going to be a cover for a lot of the glitches in some of these rollouts with these films and these promo pushes. And even if the movies aren't as good as what we want, they're going to say, hey, people didn't go, not because the film was. And by the way, this film is very well reviewed. Like, it was it was just okay for me, but people love the movie. A 94 audience score and then 84% from critics, that means something in terms of getting another movie made. You know what I mean? So I, I think another one will definitely be made. When it, when, it's, when it comes out, are you there first week, Jomi? I'll be there row one, seat one. You know what I'm saying? With my popcorn and my <laughs> That's candy That's a terrible choice for where to sit in the theater. Yeah, that's a really bad theater I, It's place. just, it's a saying and a phrase. Not your best obviously, podcast. Not your best like podcast, to, show me. To be honest with well, you. Well, obviously, I like to sit in row J, right? In the middle, probably like seat 13, seat Jomi's 12. Jomi's high off his own supply. He was on okay. Real Ones. I was listening to him earlier this morning. And he he forgot about the boys. Not your best podcast, Jomi. Because jo Jomi- What are you talking about? Jomi came out, first of all, you, you marginalized women. You came out talking about, we weren't even talking about having girls in your dorm room. We know you, Big Willie, but you, but you, but you come out, this girl came over and we watched this weird. First of all, it's very weird. Secondly, you talk about you go, you go to a movie. You know how like, like we, you go to a film and you see those people in the front row and you think, damn, they got here late. I feel sorry for them. Like their eyes, they're going to be have headaches when they leave the theater. That's the theater. That's Jomi on purpose. It's not me on purpose. It's the, it's the saying. Not a great pop for you. It's the saying. It's what so, the saying is. So you're going to be there. The you're going to be there for Dune um, Part 2. Yes, sir. We'll be there. Okay. So just want to say a couple of things about Dune overall. The story of Dune is like one of the most multi-layered and interesting stories in science fiction history. There is a lot going on in the movie. There is a lot going on. Okay. Uh, there is the emperor who he's, and what the emperor is working for, who the emperor is working with. Uh, Paul's relationship with the Fremen, um, Paul becoming the Kwisak Haderach. All right, him 
you know, fulfilling the prophecy, all the eugenics that was done to get him to the point that he is, the situation with his mother. Oh, the witches going to the Fremen like thousands upon thousands of years ago, putting putting the uh, whole prophecy there so they would basically have to worship him because that's what they've been waiting for. It's a very layered. Like, I think people are, don't get it twisted. There's things I liked about this movie. It's a very interesting story. I just think that, like, I want the second one. Yeah, you want the second one. You want the second one. I think you, looks look, I think what you're talking about in the movie is something that a lot of people wanted. They wanted a fully formed story. But I personally think that looking back on it, this movie could have only been a seven for me because it's not the full story. It's yeah. not the, it, it, it isn't the full story. Here's the thing. If, it, if we get a second one and it comes out, I might look at the first one differently because now I'm like, oh, I have the full art piece. Right now, I don't have the full art piece. Like, Star Wars A New Hope, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, full work. I can judge them within the trilogy, but I can judge them alone. Right now, I really it's hard to judge Dune Part 1 because you know it's not a full movie, really. We're waiting for the other half of it. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, overall, hey, cool experience watching it. I popped some popcorn. I did my thing. Dune. You know, I would like for my nickname to be Quizix Hatterack. I can Hell see no. space and time. Hell Please? no. No? Okay. You're not going to do it? Who are you here to see? Like, like, I'm not, you're not going to do I, I, So here's the deal. Just in a time where people are called what they want to be called, just know that you chose not to call me Quizex Hatterack. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, no, 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 no. Just remember what happened. Remember what happened. Steve Bannon Charles. Remember what, remember what happened right there. All right, that is a wrap for us. This coming Monday, Joey Mallory and Joanna, they're going to deep dive into Dune. All right, they're going to fill in all the holes that we left, and we left Swiss cheese-sized holes in the plot of this movie because this is an instant reaction podcast. The Midnight Boys are going to take a little break, like we said, uh, next week, but you're going to get a double dose of Mal and Joe. It's going to be very fantastic. I might even pop up on there. You never know. Please follow at Ringerverse on Facebook, IG, Twitter, anywhere else. Are there any other social networks that we leave out? Those are the only ones, right? Facebook, IG, Twitter. What, what about the other one? Parlor? Do we have a parlor? We, we don't use Parlor. We're not on Trump's new uh, social media site. Maybe we should yeah. get on those. Yeah. Hell no! Yeah, we, maybe we should get on those. Parlor. Yeah. Follow us on Christian Mingle. <laughs> okay. Make sure you send over all your thoughts, ideas, and questions. Producer credits. Our producer is Steve Allman. Jomi, the explainer Adidaron, is on socials. Hashtag free Jomi. Uh, additional productions from Arjuna Ramgopal and, of course, producer TD. Hope you're enjoying your vacation, bro. Charles, hit us with an outro. Jomi got the girls watching Tremors. My man Denny V dropped that doom. My boys are off that spice. I'm off next week and I'll see you soon. I'll be- <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to bring it home, but you always do, and you always do. <laughs> we are out. I saw this basketball player who uh, I guess he's going to the league now. His name is David Duke Jr. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. I thought about Steve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so nice to been, see. Don't do that. That's old habits for Van. Old habits. Guys, it's just a joke. Don't get mad, Facebook. It's just a joke. Steve is the <laughs> nicest fucking guy. I know. I love him to death.